Hello again, everybody. This is Anthony Harris with Looking Back, Moving Forward. Thank you for joining me today. Today, I'm going to share, continue to share some of my thoughts about what happened on January 6, 2021, and some things that have gone on since that time. As we know, there was this huge attempt to overthrow our government on January 6, 2021, an attempted coup, attempted insurrection by a mob of people who were uh, incited to do so by a group of people who made speeches to them prior to the insurrection, prior to the attack on the Capitol, but not just on that particular day, not just on January 6th. I think a lot of what led to January 6th event uh, really started earlier than that. It started back when... Um, and, Really, when Trump started talking about the 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 election was stolen and that there was fraud, that there was uh, rigged elections and so forth, and without any evidence, and there were people who who believed that the conspiracy theorists, the QAnons, the Proud Boys, all those organizations and and individuals who just could not fathom and accept the fact that. Um, Joe Biden uh, got 81 million votes and, and Trump got 70 something million votes. And, and simple math shows that more people voted for uh, Biden than they than did Trump. And of course, that's the second election in which uh, Donald Trump has received fewer votes uh, in, in the uh, popular vote. But of course, we know in 2016, he won the Electoral College and did not win uh, in Electoral College this time. So he started years ago, you know, talking to people, stirring up these conspiracy theories, saying that the only way he was going to lose the 2020 election is that it's rigged. And he just kept perpetuating this, what I call this big lie, this hoax, this, um, this story, this tale that there were irregularities and, and fraud and all these things to the point where the election was stolen from him. There was this group that started going around called Stop the Steal, Stop the Steal. And what was so amazing about this is that these were seemingly, I'm sure probably thought they were pretty sane individuals who were perpetuating this nonsense, who just really believed that there was something untoward happened and and, and, and these politicians kept saying that so many people believe, I remember Ted Cruz saying 39% of the people believe that the election wasn't fair. Well, Ted, one of the reasons these people believe, and it's not about beliefs, it's about evidence and facts, is that people like you and Trump and the others kept telling them that the election was rigged. And these people are willing to believe underscore that word, believe, willing to under, to believe anything that you guys tell them. And that's what happened. These, these individuals just bought it hook, line, and sinker, the big lie that the election was rigged, no evidence, none whatsoever. And, and that's when it all started. It culminated on, on January 6th that the number of speeches that went out to the crowd that was gathered there including Trump, Trump Jr., um, Mo Brooks from Alabama, all these individuals who who knew, they knew full well 
what they were doing. They invited and urged and incited this rabid crowd to go down to the Capitol because, you know, Trump is saying uh, you have to be strong. You can't show weakness. You have to you have to go in and and show strength. And and Giuliani said uh, there will be combat justice. And you know, all these people. What did they think this crowd was going to do? What did in their right mind did they think? Okay, they've gotten it. We've gotten this off our chest. They're just going to go home and 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 do what? We don't know. But uh, nevertheless, these people went in and, and did something that had never been done since 1812, and that is invade the U.S. Capitol. And it's just, I just find it so, if it weren't so um, tragic, it'd be somewhat funny to watch some of these individuals who went into the, the Capitol and, and have the... I don't know what to call it. It's just dumb criminals, I guess, in the dumb criminal hall of fame to videotape themselves with their cell phones uh, to show that, yeah, I knocked the, the window out. Yes, I stole the the speaker's gavel. Yes, I did this. And, they, and they're proud of it. And there's video to support exactly what it is they, they claim they did it. And not only did they film it, they went and uploaded it to social media. And I don't know why they thought this was not going to get them in trouble, but I think I know why they thought it was not going to get them into trouble, uh, because they they believed um, that Donald Trump was going to take care of them, that Donald Trump was right, that Donald Trump was um, sent out this clarion call to all of his followers, all of his sycophants, and all of his lemmings to come and and just do exactly what they did. And they thought, well, if the president is telling us to do this, it must not be wrong. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what it was. It was wrong. And he, he duped you. He, he pretended that you were going to somehow change the results of the election. He had people honestly believing that on January 20th at 12 o'clock, that somehow Donald Trump was going to take the oath of office, not Joe Biden. And, and believe me, you, you've probably seen it on television where these people really, really believed that something was going to happen on the 20th and uh, there were going to be all these National Guardsmen. There were going to be people who would just come in and, and, and take over and, and Trump would be waiting in the wings and he would take the oath of office. And I think one of the most outlandish uh, conspiracy theories that I've heard is, is that some people actually thought it was Trump who took the oath of office and not Joe Biden, that they somehow switched faces. And I actually heard somebody say that that was actually Joe, um, Donald Trump who took the oath of office. And we know it's not. But it's just the, the length that these people will go to... Uh, to um, to foster and to perpetuate this big lie. And, and I was also, I saw the other day, they, uh, I think it was on CNN, they interviewed this QAnon guy who, who actually went to D.C. on the 20th, the day of the inauguration. And it was like early in the morning, and the guy interviewing him uh, asked him, why was he there? And he said, I'm here because Donald Trump is going to be inaugurated as the next president. And the reporter says something like, well, haven't you heard that Donald Trump lost? No, Donald Trump didn't lose, that he's actually going to take the oath of office. I have no doubt. And the guy was, was smiling, seemed to be a pretty 
uh, reasonable guy. In fact, he was self-deprecating in a way. He said, I know y'all think I'm, I'm crazy in saying this, but you know, Donald Trump is going to be our next president. And he kind of chuckled about it. And then after the inauguration, the reporter found the same fellow and, and asked him, what did he think about what had just happened? And I guarantee you, this guy's countenance from that morning interview to the afternoon interview, he was so down in the dumps. He was so heartbroken and crestfallen that, and they said, well, what, what, why are you, what are you feeling now? He said, I'm just heartbroken. I just can't believe it. I, I came here thinking that Donald Trump was really going to be inaugurated. And now Joe Biden has been inaugurated. I don't know what to do now. I don't know what to believe. I don't know what to do. And, you know, I felt, I guess I did feel sorry for him a little bit. because I just don't understand how grown men, grown women, adults can suspend common sense and, and not believe in mathematics, not believe in uh, the Constitution, and not believe in the rule of law. Uh, I had a friend on Facebook who said, are you trying to tell me... Do you believe that uh, Biden really won? I said, yeah, I think he really won because I believe in math. I believe that numbers count. Numbers matter. The fact that all these judges and uh, Supreme Court and governors and secretaries of state and all these election officials, they confirmed it that Trump lost. Now, what part of that do you not get? And I remember sharing with a another conservative friend on, on Facebook. And I said, well, what's it going to take for you to see the truth? Please tell me. I want to know. What does it take for you to understand and accept the truth? And I went down the list of things that have happened. You know, William Barr, who is no, I mean, he's one of the most loyal sycophants for uh, Donald Trump that ever existed. I mean, he said there were no irregularities that would have made an out, a difference in the outcome of this election. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security said there was there was this was not a rigged election. This was a fair election, and of course that guy got fired, and and um, Trump got really mad at Barr and kind of opened the door and said, "Go, go, go," and we know what Trump did with the governor of Georgia, Kemp, and Raffenberger, the um, uh, Secretary of State. I mean, he just excoriated these two people because they would not overturn the election results for Georgia. But at any rate, they, um, these individuals just, they just thought that Trump was going to be inaugurated. And you've also probably seen some of the interviews and some of the, read some of the reports that some of these QAnon people, they've, they've just become so turned off now with Donald Trump. They've become so disenchanted with him because they believe the big lie. They believe Trump when he said and intimated to them that the election was stolen, that he indeed would be the next president. And his followers said, yeah, he'll, he'll be the next president. And they just, they are now starting to, some of them anyway, are, are starting to um, sort of like a, a slap in the face. I remember that was a commercial years ago I think it was an Aqua Velva uh, commercial where this guy slaps himself in the face and he says, oh, thanks, I needed that. Uh, not that I'm advocating violence by any means, but it was just, the point was, 
something had to wake this guy up. And, and that's what hap what's happening now with some of these right-wing groups. They are starting to realize that they've been duped. And they're not sure what to do. Uh, they're not sure uh, what to believe in because they put so much of their belief in their Messiah, uh, Donald Trump. They thought he was going to come in and uh, be the next uh, savior and, and take over this country, whether it's through martial law or whatever, and get rid of those people who did not believe as Donald Trump believes. Yet these people will put their hands over their heart and sing the national anthem. They will hold up, they will salute the flag, and they will recite the Pledge of Allegiance as though they really did care about the Constitution of the United States. And, and it's clear from their actions that they couldn't care less about the Constitution. They cared about Donald Trump. That was it. That was their Messiah. He was their Messiah. He was a person who was going to come in and just rid this country of what? I'm not sure what they wanted to take my country back, make America great again. All of that nonsense. They they believed it. And it's just, as I said, if it, it was a tragic, it'd be funny how uh, adult men and women can can be so gullible and be so willing to suspend common sense and to suspend reality in favor of a man who doesn't care about them. And that's the, that's the thing that is really uh, ironic here, too, is that these people, they are just, um, you know, they believe so much in Donald Trump and they worship this guy. And Donald Trump is not, he doesn't care about these people, whether it's the white evangelicals or Proud Boys or anybody. He doesn't care about you guys. He, he, he sees you as a means to an end. He sees you as tools to help who? To help Donald Trump. And if he could make a deal with Satan to, to enrich himself, he'll, he'll do that. And I just think he has that kind of, of um, pathological personality that uh, would, uh, would make that, would try, you know, that, that's what he believes and that what, that's what motivates him. So anyway, uh, here, this is where we are. Um, I also was looking at some data the other day that really struck me about Donald Trump as he leaves office. Um, depending on which poll you you uh, watch or read about, Donald Trump is leaving office with a 34% approval rating. And that's according to Gallup. And they, they, they tend to be pretty kind to Donald Trump. But Fox News, his network, his his state-run network, Fox News, in their polling, they as he left office, uh, Trump's approval rating was 29%. Get that now, 29%. And that's on Fox News. That's not MSNBC. That's not Quinnipiac. That's not USA Today. That is Fox News poll shows that Trump left office with a 29% approval rating. Also in that Fox News poll, that it showed that 52% of people who responded to the poll believed that Trump bore uh, a lot of responsibility for that riot, for that insurrection on January 6th. And 23% 
said that he he bore some responsibility. So you add those two figures, 73% of the people in this country, according to Fox News, believe that Trump had shared a lot of responsibility or uh, uh, some of the responsibility for what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. And it's, it's just, uh, it's a testament, I think, to um, how, how deceptive his, he was and how deceived his supporters were. They just thought he was the most popular president. They thought he had such huge support. They just couldn't figure out how did this guy lose? I mean, his side, the conservatives and, and those Trump supporters, they just could not imagine Donald Trump losing because, you know, all these people showed up at his rallies and didn't care about masking up or social distancing or any of those kinds of things. They they were just out there um, in, in huge numbers. And that, again, that's more evidence that Donald Trump did not care about those people. He didn't care if they got COVID. He didn't care about whether they were spreading the disease, the, the virus, or being infected by the virus. He was just one of them out there. He didn't care if they wore masks or not. Um, also, uh, another interesting thing on, on this poll is that through his four years in office, Donald Trump never, his popularity, not popularity, but his approval rating never reached 50%. Now, that's something that people need to get their heads around. Never did it reach 50%. He is the first president in history since, at least since 1938, when Gallup started keeping these polls. He is the first president to not reach 50% ever in his four years. And he, the highest he, his, pop, his approval rating got was 49%. But from that point down, that point on, it just kept, you know, going farther and farther uh, in the wrong direction for him. So it's just amazing how, you know, people can say, you know, he's half the country supported him. No, he may have gotten 70-something million votes, but when you look at his approval rating, how many people, what percentage of the people approve of him? Um, I think to say less than a third of the people approve of you, um, that, doesn't, that doesn't bode very well for you. And um, even among Republicans, <laughs> you know, they're starting to, to have a little buyer's remorse, I think, because uh, in one poll that I read, in August of this year, he had a 77% approval rating among Republicans. And now that uh, approval rating stands at 60%. And that's from Fox News, by the way. I'll pew one of those, either the Fox or pew. And even among Republicans, as we can see, his, uh, he's starting to fall out of favor with them. But that still, you got, you got 60% uh, approval rating. That's, that's a high number. And I think we're going to see some of these politicians jockey for position uh, for the 2024 election to try to carve out some, some place and some space for themselves to be sort of the, the second coming of Donald Trump, to be Donald Trump 2.0, um, to be this, uh, the new messiah. And you can know you can tell who they are. I mean, you can Ted Cruz, Holly, uh, Jim Jordan, um, 
Crenshaw, the guy from uh, from Texas, who, by the way, <laughs> Dan Crenshaw, I think is his name, and he said after the inauguration, he said, quoted the saying, that now the era for regular Americans is over. Yeah, that's what he said. Now that Biden has been inaugurated, the era for regular Americans are over, as though, you know, black folk are not <laughs> uh, regular Americans, and that gay people are not regular Americans, and that Hispanic, all the groups in our country are not regular Americans. And, and I think that statement is going to haunt him. I think there have been some people here in Texas who have been... Um, promoting and, and trying to push him to be uh, on the national scene, but I don't think he has, he quite has what it takes to do that. Well, you know, Ted Cruz, also from Texas, he's he's trying to position himself as, as Trump 2.0. And Jeff, I mean, uh, Holly, I'm not sure if his first name, but um, Holly from Missouri, he's also trying to do the same thing. I think Louis Gohmert, um, uh, gets from Florida, all these guys, these these right wingers, they are trying to show that they can be just as conservative and just as extremist as Donald Trump. So when those disaffected voters, maybe some of that seventy some odd million that wanted four more years of Donald Trump, they may look to one of them and say, "Yeah, we couldn't get four more years back in 2020." But in 2024, we will get four more years of somebody who will act like Donald Trump, who will promote his racism, who will promote his, his bullying, who will promote his narcissism, who will promote all of those things that, that characterize uh, Donald Trump and his administration. One of the things that I noticed the other day that I'm so happy happened was, um, you know, there was a project called the 1619 Project. Uh, put together by a reporter from New York, New York Times. And it was an attempt to, and not just an attempt, but it showed uh, how the role of slavery, 1619, that was when the first enslaved Africans came to this, to this country, and how the issue of race and racism, systemic racism and white supremacy and white nationalism, how all of those, uh, how history has shown those to be you know, flashpoints in our, in our country's his, history, and, and that so much of our um, country it was built upon some of those and many of those early uh, um, actions by our country. Well, at any rate, um, Trump didn't like that. He thought that was propaganda. Uh, the truth about what happened in our country when it came to slavery and um, the way slaves were treated, enslaved people were treated. He didn't want kids to know about that. He, he wanted to sanitize and, and literally whitewash the, the history of this country. And of course, that's what they do in totalitarian countries. They, they, um, they censor, they uh, suppress news and information that might make certain aspects and certain segments of their population not just look bad, but just show them actually who they are in reality. So what Trump wanted to do was counter that by putting together the 1776 Commission, which ironically on MLK Day on the 18th of January, 
they issued their report, and it's not even worth the time to talk about what their report was about, but it was, uh, it was very critical of the civil rights movement, very critical of uh, things that came out of that movement, like affirmative action, multiculturalism, all those things that uh, have helped our country move forward in terms of race relations. They would love to go back to that time, I think, when um, when black people were second-class citizens, Hispanics were, all the, the non-white groups were not considered as smart, as capable, as worthy of the American dream as, as white people were. Um, one of the things that uh, Biden did, he disbanded, he, he rescinded that report. He said, we're not going to, we're not even going to consider it. And I haven't read, I just read some reports of that, um, of that report. And it, it lifts, from what I read about it, it lifts portions of one of the author's uh, book and just, just kind of cut and pasted it from this guy's book and put it in the report and say, this is a report. And, uh, you know, following that, setting up that commission. Of course, Trump said, we're not going to, the federal government is not going to be involved in any more diversity training um, That because that's divisive and we're just not going to do it anymore uh, for federal um, agencies. Now, uh, Mike Pompeo, who is the outgoing or the former Secretary of State for the United States, uh, said something quite interesting the other day. He said, you know, multiculturalism and, and, and some of these other isms, that's not America. That's not what we should be doing. And I think he was saying that in support of the 1776 project that wants to downplay uh, the fact that this is a multicultural nation. And, and he said, uh, Pompeo said, that multiculturalism hurts our country. And I thought when he said that, I said, that's why we need diversity training. We need diversity training and multicultural training for people just like Pompeo. The fact that he uttered those words is the clearest evidence that we do need that kind of training. And he doesn't get it, and partly because he's trying to carve out a niche for himself to be um, the, the heir apparent to Trumpism. And um, so that's his way of, of sending a dog whistle to the racists out there that I'm with you, I'm with you. And see, the thing is, they, they seem to forget is... Uh, they say multiculturalism divides us. No, it's not multiculturalism that divides us. It's the people who see multiculturalism as some kind of threat to them. They're, that's what divides us. You know, it's, it's not harmful to see me as a, as a black man. It's not harmful for me to see someone as a Hispanic person or an Asian person or a gay person. That's not the harm. The harm is, and this is what messes the country up, when people start making value judgments about those differences. I remember years ago when I was teaching a course in multicultural counseling, <clears throat> I asked my students, how many of you see me as a black professor? And of course, they thought it was a trick question. And they weren't sure how to answer it. You saw some hands kind of go halfway up and nobody really put the arms up way up in the air. And I said, okay, here, here's the thing. Relax, it's not a trick question. I really think it's okay for you to see me. I know it's okay for you to see me as a black professor because that's how I see myself. That's not the only way I describe myself, but that's, a, that's an important part of my self-description and my self-identity 
is in my self-image. That's I am a black professor. And there's nothing wrong with you seeing me in that way as well. I said, now here's the problem. If you say uh, Dr. Johnson is white and Dr. Harris is black, therefore Dr. Johnson is, is more intellectually um, endowed than Dr. Harris, who is black. That's when you start making value judgments. That's when the racism starts to come in. That's what divides us. It's not the fact that I'm a black professor and there's a white professor and there's a Hispanic professor. It's when people go to that next level, they cross that line and start making these racist value judgments about those differences. And I think that's where Mike Pompeo uh, was heading. I think that's, that was the, the subtle statement behind that is that um, I just don't like multiculturalism because uh, uh, it's, it shows that uh, people are different and yeah, we are different. We're different culturally. We're different racially. We're different gender-wise. But you don't need to. You don't need to go to that next level, that racist level, and say because of those differences, uh, this black person, this gay person, this is this Hispanic person, this Asian person, is, or this transgender person is less than someone else. So anyway, I I just think that's something we we need to to keep in mind. It'd be interesting to see how all of this proceeds. I think under uh, the Biden administration, uh, they've already said diversity training will continue. And I don't know about you, but you know, after Biden took his, his oath of office, it was like, okay, we can exhale now. We can kind of take a, you know, let the air out and we can breathe and we can sense that we are, we're getting back to a, a place of, of normalcy, whatever that happens to be, that we are slowly beginning to purge ourselves of the of the toxins and the just the the nastiness of the last four years uh, we don't have to worry anymore about waking up in the morning and wondering what did the president tweet about today who has he insulted who has he what lie has he told today and that's just really refreshing <clears throat> it's encouraging it's a breath of fresh air to know that we now have a president. Uh, he's got his foibles. He has his faults. He's, he's going to make some mistakes, large and small. But I'm willing to live with those kinds of mistakes, to know that we have somebody in the office who has character, who has a, a, a moral compass uh, going in the right direction, whose core value system is to help people, not to harm people. <clears throat> who's not going to try to do anything to pit one group against another, who's not going to get out there and just uh, embarrass the nation in front of the world. And, and that's just uh, something that I, I look forward to as we move forward. But I want us to um, also keep in mind that this impeachment happened. You know, Trump is going to go down in, in history as the only president to be impeached twice. Of course, the first time um, the Senate did not uh, vote to convict him, and they probably are not going to vote to convict him this time. But that does not take away the stain from his legacy and from his record, and the historians will always record that he is the first president in the history of this entire nation to be impeached twice. Now keep that in mind. You've been impeached twice. You weren't convicted, and I think in order for them to convict him this time, 
uh, they need 17 votes from Republicans. And I don't think we're going to, that's going to happen <clears throat> because I think they are, many of them are afraid of um, what might happen if they vote uh, to convict. And I know uh, the, the House has already made its decision to impeach him, but I thought it was kind of interesting that um, the minority leader in the House, I'm blocking on his name right now, but anyway, he went on the, Kevin McCarthy, that's his name, Kevin McCarthy, um, the day of, or maybe the day after the um, the insurrection, the attack on the Capitol, he made a speech on the floor of the House, and he talked about the President of the United States bears responsibility for what happened at the Capitol. He, his words incited this. His words were responsible for the people who uh, attacked this this building. And I'm, and some people thought, wait, man, yeah, that's 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 kind of courageous for Kevin McCarthy to go against Donald Trump and you know deal with reality as that. And and that was short lived, folks, because a couple of days later he he was at a had a press conference. And someone asked him about his comments. He said, no, Trump had nothing to do with the attack on the building, on, on the Capitol. His words had nothing to do with it. So between the time he said he had responsibility for it and now he doesn't have responsibility for it, something happened in the, in the intervening time there. And I suspect he got a phone call from Trump or somebody and, and said, you know, you, if you want to keep your job next year, <clears throat> if you don't want to be primaried, you better get in there and uh, do your normal flip-flop and so that your voters and your supporters and our voters and our supporters will be out there helping you next time. So it's it's an exercise in, in cowardice to for, for um, Kevin McCarthy to do that. Uh, it's hypocrisy. It, it's one of the reasons people get so turned off with politics and politicians is that they they oftentimes will... Uh, hold up their fingers, see which way the wind is blowing, and that's the position that they will take. Or they will uh, defer to uh, other people to make their minds up. Uh, they'll defer to the the president or defer to the, uh, the speaker or defer to somebody rather than thinking and using their own daggum mind. I just, I just find that if you don't want to make the tough decisions, if you don't want to make... Uh, to, to stand by your principles. Don't run for public office. Don't do it. Go go do some other job. I'm not going to call out any professions because I don't want to disparage any, but there are some professions where it's okay to, to, to waffle back and forth and to sit on the fence and to be hypocritical. But trying to be a public servant and being in the, in, in the nation's capital to try to enact laws and to represent the people um, I mean, if you can't stand on your principles, and, and of course, that's one of the things about um, Jim Jordan and, and some in that, um, that conservative caucus um, um, and gets and all. These people are consistent. I mean, they don't waffle at all. I mean, they, they, they said from the very beginning that Trump is our man and there's nothing that could ever happen to make us shy away from him or to move away from him. You know, they have not waffled at all. They have not 
they have gone down the wrong course and they said, I'll be doggone, I am not going to change courses. I'm, I'm wrong now and I will just stay wrong. And, and when Jim Jordan, that's the guy I think about, um, who, when, you remember when uh, Benghazi happened? Uh, unfortunately, there were like four people who lost their lives and they brought Hillary Clinton before their committee and for like 11 hours, 13 hours or whatever it was. They grilled her, they grilled her. And, and she was Secretary of State at the time. And they wanted to pin that the death of these, these unfortunate deaths of these four diplomats on her and say, what a terrible, evil person you are to have, to have been the Secretary of State when this happened. And, and, and I, those same guys, those same uh, representatives, when you had five people killed at the Capitol, you hear crickets. They, they're not calling anybody before any committee and saying, we want answers, we want to hold people accountable, and so forth. And um, so, again, Jim Jordan and, and that crew, that conservative caucus, um, you know, I, I don't agree with them, but they have been consistent, consistently wrong, but, but they've been very consistent. And uh, that's that's where we are right now. I'm I'm going to stop now. I've um, I've ranted. I've kind of gone from one thing to the other, and that's the way I like to do this from time to time. It's just some random thoughts uh, about what's going on in our country. Um, the other thing, of course, is the pandemic. <clears throat> this has been um, just such a disappointing. We've gone over four hundred thousand people who've uh, of lost their lives. Some of our um, fellow citizens have, have died because of, of COVID and it should not have come to this. Doesn't mean that there weren't going to be some, there wasn't going to be any loss of life, but to get to where we are, to look at a little over a year ago, the president said, uh, there are only 15 cases and it'll go away. By Easter, we'll be back to normal. You can ingest some, um, some disinfectant and put a, 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 an infrared light down you and it will um, get rid of the virus. And, and he just kept perpetuating these lies to people. And people wouldn't wear a mask because he thought it was a political statement. It was a political uh, position you were taking. Uh, if you wore a mask, you were anti-Trump. If you didn't wear a mask, then you were pro-Trump. And there were people who look at it in that dichotomy that uh, as long as Trump is not telling me or encouraging me to wear it, I'm not going to wear it, I'm asking. And, and we can just see how all of that, that has played out tragically for so many people. I think all of us probably know somebody who has been affected by this terrible virus. And uh, probably, I'm, I'm sure some of us know some people who've lost their lives who don't have a place at the dinner table anymore. There's no, they're, they're, they won't be joining them in their for birthdays and for Christmas and for Thanksgiving and for all those important times when we like to have family around us. But um, it's it's just tragic. And now they've rolled out this, the vaccine, uh, which is another <laughs> big mess. Um, you know, Trump's administration mishandled the, uh, the, the pandemic, I think, they have mishandled the rollout of the vaccine. They try to take credit for the vaccine, but Trump, they didn't do it. I mean, the, the Pfizer and Moderna, those companies did it. 
And and one of those companies, I'm not sure which, never received a penny from the federal government. But you know, Trump liked he he wanted to take credit for uh, the warp speed thing, getting this this virus, um, I'm getting the vaccine prepared. And then what did he do? And he left office and and left nothing, no plans, nothing for the next administration. As most of us are, are aware, um, it's hard to get a vaccine. It's hard to know how to go about getting the vaccine. Um, we, we just, you, you go to these websites and they say immediately, there's no more vaccine left. There's no waiting list. You can't get on the waiting list. And, and it should not have been that way. There should have been, in my view, a federal response to this at the federal level um, because the government has so many logistical resources and ways of getting things done. And they instead left it to the states. And then the states were not prepared. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have the both the human resources as well as the financial resources to get these things done. And I'm like, and you, some of you are probably like I am. I'm just sitting here waiting. I'm on several waiting lists right now. I'm, I'm in 1B. Um, my wife is in 1B. And we don't know what to do. You know, we just don't know what to do. We've tried everything. And I really feel sorry for those people who uh, don't have internet, don't have a computer. And they tell you the only way to get on a waiting list is to sign up online. And... If you have no computer, if you have no internet, you can't you can't get a, a, a uh, an appointment to get the shot done. But at any rate, uh, I, I I'm hopeful that with the new administration and that things will get better. I think there will be a different attitude, a different um, uh, way of getting things done. I, I think people will be motivated to solve this problem differently, uh, not do it for profit, not do it for for power, and I think that's what drove the Trump administration. How can we profit from this personally, and how can I enhance my power? I I, I don't think that's the case with this new administration. Let's let's go out and find ways to get this vaccine out into the arms of the American people who need it. And for those who don't want to take it, you know, I wish you would change your mind, but I can't. You know, if I'm ready to get it, I want to get it. And and there's somebody who's in a different category than I am, a healthcare worker, for example, who says, "No, I don't want to. I don't want the vaccine because I don't. I'm an anti-vaxxer." Well, if they don't want to take it, then hey, give me a call. I'll take it, you know, or give somebody else a call who who needs it. So I I, I love to see what's going to happen as we move forward with this um, with this vaccine because you know. As uh, Joe Biden has said, you know, we, there, uh, there's a dark winter ahead. There are some tough times ahead. This thing is going to get worse before it gets better. It um, won't be long before we'll have over half a million people die from this. And you still have people who say COVID-19 is a hoax, that it's not, a, it's not a, um, an issue, it's not, there's no virus uh, called the coronavirus. In complete denial. They don't wear the masks. They don't believe in, in keeping physical distances between themselves and others. I'm just amazed. I go out to the grocery store. I mask up. 99% of the people in the store are masked up and keeping distances. And then you see this person walks in who has no mask on, who just doesn't seem to care. I mean, it's just a, 
uh, with selfishness or it's uh, a middle finger to the government or to science or to medicine to say, I just don't believe in science. I don't believe in medicine. I don't believe that this is a uh, coronavirus is something to be afraid of. And when I see these people, I go the other way. I mean, I, and I feel sorry, too, for the people who work in the stores because you know, they have a sign at the door. Everybody's required to wear a mask. Vendors, shoppers, everybody who works there, you have to wear a mask. It, it saves lives. And then you see one or two people walking around with nothing on. And I know the, the, the staff there, the workers, the, the managers, they're not going to say anything to these, these people because... I think in many cases that's what um, they want to see happen. They want somebody to confront them, so they can say, "I'm, uh, you know, I have a right, my constitutional right, to not wear a mask." You know, you can't make me wear a mask. You know, to me, those people are the same ones who say that uh, I have a constitutional right to smoke anywhere I want to smoke. Uh, I don't care if it does affect other people. I don't. I don't care if it secondhand smoke does kill people. I have a constitutional right because this is my lungs, my body, and nobody should ever tell me I should not smoke. That's the kind of attitude. Same thing with seat belts. I should be allowed to, uh, they say, not wear a seat belt because it, it, it's my constitutional right. Uh, uh, in my pursuit of, of liberty and happiness, I should not have to wear a seat belt. We know that seat belts save lives, and we know that seat belts, when worn properly, can it not only uh, save lives, but it can keep people from getting injured or seriously. So for those people who just don't want to wear the mask, you know, God bless you. I don't want to be around you. Uh, when I see you, I'm going the other way. Until we get vaccines in the arms of people who want the vaccine, uh, then I will maybe walk down the same aisle at the grocery store with you, but until then, I'm just, you know, it's too risky. It's just just too risky. So let's not make this a political issue. This is a health issue. This is a, um, and, and, and that's that's what it is. It's a health issue, and, and we can do better. Man, we, we can't, as we've seen, we can't really rely on the politicians <clears throat> and those who are making some of those decisions, even though I'm, I am pleased and I am optimistic and hopeful that this new administration will do a a much better job than the previous administration. So that's my, I'm going to stop there. That's my rant for today. And I will be back another time with some more things because one of the cool things, uh, maybe not so cool, but one of the things that in doing these, this podcast is that there's always content. There's always something going on in our country. Uh, current events, uh, just recent events, uh, maybe some things that are coming up in the future that it's important to uh, just put views out there and have people listen to them, uh, agree with them, not agree with them. Uh, that's what we do with social media sometimes. And, I, and that's going to be one of my future um, episodes to talk about some of the things that I see people, uh, seemingly sane people, um, put on Facebook and just, you just want to shake your head and say, whoa, boy, I didn't, I just didn't think people thought like that. But at any rate, that's it. I want you to enjoy yourself, be safe, wear that mask, keep your distance and, and just keep hope alive that things will get better. All right. Take care.